Okay, welcome back into Believe in the Wolfpack. I'm your host, Luke Nichols. Got a lot to go over today. As always, got a big game coming up for the men's basketball team and a big game that just went wrong for the women's team yesterday. I'm recording this uh, Monday night before the national championship game, so few more little things before the championship game. Going to go over uh, a few predictions that I saw from experts in the field. Uh, and one one guy who works for the SEC Network uh, is, I guess, doesn't believe in Michigan. I guess maybe took some offense to Michigan beating an SEC team last week. Um because this score doesn't make sense. I, but anyway, we'll get to that later. First off, we're going to start with the men's basketball team. They just picked up a big ACC win over Virginia. The first home game for ACC play this year. They won 76-60. to Dennis Parker Jr. had 15 points. The freshman with 15 points, 5 of 8 shooting, 3 for 5 from beyond. I think I saw a tweet from, was it John Rothstein, I think? I mean, yeah, it was it was Ralston. Yeah, what am I saying? And obviously, he's he's college basketball. He's when I think college basketball, and I think college basketball, any kind of reporter, journalist, Ralston's usually the first guy. So, and he put a tweet out about Dennis Parker saying, like, "Hey, you just 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 keep an eye on this freshman. Keep an eye on this kid. He's starting to really kind of find his footing and find his groove. He had a steal and four rebounds as well." So if Parker can really kind of start to mold and fit this offense well, find his footing and just find himself, I mean, this team's just going to keep getting better and better. I I know it's going to happen for every team too. Freshmen are going to get more comfortable and whatnot. I've actually been following uh, <laughs> Kentucky a bit because they have those freshmen, Justin Edwards, DJ Wagner, and – Ooh, and the other guy from Camden High School. I can't remember his name. He's a center. Uh, he committed with DJ Wagner. Edwards is from Philly. Is it? Oh, man. Aaron Bradshaw, I want to say. Yeah, Aaron Bradshaw. Aaron Bradshaw is the other freshman. I've been keeping tabs on them because those three were kind of the biggest – Maybe not one, two, and three, but at one point on 24-7 sports for recruiting, they were all in the top five. Justin Edwards was the top recruit for most of the year last year. DJ Wagner was in there as well. Uh, Isaiah Collier was in there as well. But DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, and Aaron Bradshaw were all pretty much consistently top five. And I've been keeping tabs on them being all freshmen trying to find themselves and They've struggled a bit, it seems, to kind of really mold into this Kentucky, not even just offense, but just the team in general. I mean, Justin Edwards only averaging nine and a half points per game. DJ Wagner, 12. That's not bad, but Rob Dillingham and Antonio Reeves have been far better. Justin Edwards shooting 47% from the field, not terrible, but he's not taking that many shots, it seems like. DJ Wagner, 43% from the field. So these are guys that, you know, come conference play for Kentucky in the SEC. And when they, you know, they're still sixth. So I'm not saying they're terrible. Kentucky's still sixth in the country. But, you know, in, in a world of college basketball where freshmen 
come in and they're expected to immediately contribute and be kind of X factors for your team. You know, I, I don't want I don't want to get on these guys too early saying, you know, oh, they're terrible, oh, they're busts. Because even then, I also, if I haven't mentioned it already, love looking at mock drafts and seeing where guys are going to go, even in the following draft, the next year, the year after. And uh, last year, I remember DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards were both like top 10 consensus picks. I was looking at it earlier today, and the first three guys are all from overseas. I love seeing international guys uh, in the NBA and just kind of how much the game has grown. But anyway, um, so they kind of have taken a step back just being freshmen. And Kentucky is the probably most notorious one-and-done school. At least that's how it feels. I mean, wasn't it wasn't it Jamal Murray or even Tyrese Maxey who committed to the draft – after one year and they were coming off the bench maybe it was booker too there's it was one of those guys that only played a year at kentucky was coming off the bench was a first round pick <laughs> and has been incredible in the league so but back to my point about dennis parker dennis parker putting up 15 points against an in-conference opponent getting you a 20 point win that's a very healthy sign that's a good sight to see he uh was he he matched Jaden Taylor for most points in this game. Taylor, fifteen points. DJ Horn right behind the both of them with fourteen. DJ Burns only with six points, two total rebounds, four assists. Uh, only played twenty two minutes. This one was wrapped up relatively quick. I mean, they went on a huge run out of halftime, so I mean that helped the case kind of start to chew the clock early in the second half which was nice but Virginia although they're not ranked they're not top 25 they're still a very good team they were still 11 and 3 coming into this game they're now 2 and 2 in conference play whereas NC State is 11 and 3 and 3 and 0 in conference play tied for the top spot in the ACC right now which is very nice but <laughs> this Wednesday Maybe the toughest game of the year. It is a home game. That's going to be nice. But going up against North Carolina and R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott and Harrison. I mean, this team is this team is very good. This North Carolina team is very good. I believe they are sixth in the country. No, I just said Kentucky was. Where are they? The new rankings came out today. Uh, North Carolina seven. I wasn't far off. I knew they were right there. And even NC State is starting to get uh, some votes now for being in the top 25. Only seven, nothing crazy, but, you know, they're getting enough to, if they can get, if they can get this win, they will absolutely be top 25 uh, next week. But, I mean, North Carolina, they are very good. They've been playing very good. They just beat Clemson this past Saturday by 10, beat Pitt by 13, beat Oklahoma by 12, put up 100 points against Tennessee. But they did lose to Kentucky, did lose to UConn, but that was, they played three top 25 teams in a row, so I'm not really going to put a loss to UConn and Kentucky. Uh, it doesn't seem like it hurts them too much, because even then, after those two games, they came around and beat number seven, Oklahoma, but... The key to this game, and even then, they also lost to Villanova. And who knows what Villanova is this year? They can't beat a team that is 20 minutes away from them, but you can beat North Carolina. But then they lost to, who did they just lose to? Xavier, I think? 
St. John's maybe? I, I Whatever. But who knows what they are. But North Carolina, R.J. Davis, <laughs> he's kind of already being considered for, I think, a, a Naseth Player of the Year. And even then was one of the preseason favorites, if I remember correctly. Armando Baycott, I feel like he's been in I, – I, I'm just thinking about the team from two years ago still, but I feel like Baycott is a seasoned vet now for college basketball. He's averaging 14.9 points per game with 11 rebounds and 1.9 blocks. So he's averaging a double-double with nearly two blocks a game, shooting 52% from the field. You have to slow, but you have to start with RJ Davis. You have to slow down RJ Davis. He's averaging 20. He's going to get his at some point, but, you got to switch it up too, just to give him, just giving him different looks is going to, you know, mess with his head a bit, make him go to different things. Maybe he, you know, is guarded by MJ Rice, comes off the bench, a bit taller, more physical. All right. You think you can try to take him off the dribble and drive to the paint. And then you get DJ Horn back on him, who's probably the best matchup in this game, either DJ Horn uh, or Jaden Taylor, I imagine will be guarding RJ Davis most of the time. Uh, but them two, or MJ Rice, he has him try to blow by him. DJ Horn gets back in. Then he's like, all right, now I got to go to jump shot. Maybe he's, you know, not feeling his jump shot because he's been driving to the lane so much. Maybe he doesn't have that right feel. Maybe he doesn't have this. Maybe he's, you know, getting confused and some double teams his way. I just want to see, I don't want it to be just one guy, leave him on an island. Because even then it's like, all right, I have confidence that DJ Horn can slow him down, but that shouldn't have to be entirely up to him you got enough guys who can come over and help out I mean his he put up 27 against Kentucky in a loss 26 against UConn 27 against Tennessee 30 against Arkansas I mean these are all against top ranked teams as well 23 points against Oklahoma he's averaging 20 he's averaging 20 and he's going over his average when he plays better teams so he's stepping up he's stepping up his game the only time he really underperformed against a top team is against Clemson. And actually, now I'm looking at it, the last two games, he hasn't shot that well from the field. Five for 13 against Clemson and six of 16 against Pitt the game before. So maybe, maybe <laughs> we're catching him at the right time. Even then, in a game where they played, who is this? Charleston Southern. Where they played Charleston Southern, he had 20 points and 10 assists. <laughs> That's, that's pretty good in only 26 minutes. That's okay. Yeah, that's pretty good, I guess. But not. So it's looking like he's really stepping up his play and just upping the ante whenever he's playing better competition. He's a six-foot guard, 180 pounds. He's a senior, so obviously he has that experience. He's 16th in the entire country in points per game with averaging that 20.6. But I, I really want to see him just get frustrated. Throw a bunch of different looks at him. Throw some double teams at him. Just don't kind of do the same thing the entire game. Don't leave Jaden Taylor or DJ Horn or Dennis Parker or whoever just out there on an island with R.J. Davis. Because that's not many people are going to be able to you know shut him down or contain him when it's just going one-on-one -on -one with him. Because even then, for the most part, they may run a little pick and roll between R.J. Davis and Baycott until the cows come home. So you may be forced to just really work your entire defense around those two. Which brings me to my next point about Armando Baycott averaging 11 rebounds a game 
keep him off the glass. I, I, I keep him off the glass. I'm hoping that <laughs> some of these, you know, Tar Heel players and whatnot are so accustomed to him grabbing rebounds that maybe they don't crash the boards as hard. So if you can get DJ Burns, uh, Mo Diara, Middlebrooks to box him out and just make it tough for him to crash the glass, especially the offensive boards, just just don't let them get second chance points. Easy second chance points as well. We saw what happened in our favor when Notre Dame just couldn't get a defensive rebound to save their lives. What was it, 17 offensive rebounds for us? I mean, my God. <laughs> but... Yeah, I do want to see an emphasis on keeping Baycott off the glass because, you know, to put it in very simple terms, grabbing a rebound is just grabbing a possession for your team. It's 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 that easy. You want to do you can't have him just grabbing rebounds, grabbing offensive rebounds specifically. So, again, it may go under the radar, it may go, you know, maybe they forget about it, but it should be a point of emphasis. The 14.9 points per game, yeah, that's very good as well for Baycott for a center in in college, but the 11 rebounds worries me much more than the points. He's fifth in the country for rebounding. I mean, that, that's, that, that proves my point. Does he have where it shows how many, what his season high is? He just had 16 against Clemson. 10, so I think 16, no, 18, 18, he had 20 rebounds in a game against Lehigh, he had 18 rebounds in a game against Villanova, yeah, he had 22 and 20 against Lehigh, then he had 14 and 16 with two blocks this Saturday against against Clemson, so yeah, I'm hoping to keep him off the glass, I'm hoping to contain RJ Davis, that game is this Wednesday, 8 o'clock on ESPN, we'll have a full recap and, you know, just right after, I'm going to watch it, react immediately after, <laughs> hoping it's a positive reaction, hoping I can jump on here and just be celebrating and happy and assuming that the Wolfpack will be in the top 25 and pick up a huge statement win early in ACC play. But we'll move on right now and talk about the women's team picking up their first loss of the year to the Virginia Tech Hokies. It was a bummer. It sucked. Honestly, it was annoying, but I'm not too worried about it. River Baldwin didn't play in this game. She had a sensational game, uh, the one before this, against a team that I know was also ranked that I can't think of right now, so I'm just going to keep saying words until I see that it was Florida State. There we go. Uh, transfer from Florida State. How did I forget that? But, nah, I'm not too worried about this game. You lost on a buzzer beater on a perfectly executed play. I, I saw it, and I'm I'm sitting there, and I was annoyed, but at the same time, it took me a second to realize, wait, that was actually, <laughs> just not being fully biased, that was an incredible last play. It was, who was it? It was Kitley, I believe. Yeah, King inbounded it. Kitley just, it was from the, their, pretty much their bench. It was right in front of their bench, tosses the inbound two-handed overhead pass to the opposite side block, the block that is nearest to the camera angle. Kitley just rolls off an off-ball screen, catches it, doesn't even put the ball on the ground, I think, just pops it up, wide open, easy layup. I mean, it was a gutsy call because it was that long of a pass. It could easily get tipped on the way down. She couldn't be open, you know, 
someone could have had time like Sanaya Rivers or or Hayes or Mimi Collins had could have had time to you know rotate over slide over to get a good contest poke it away something but it was a perfect pass the timing was perfect everything like that that final play it couldn't have gone any better for Virginia Tech it's just that's just good offense beating good defense like I, I can't even be that mad about it just because it you know it was such a good play it was such a good play and again a very gutsy call but it is their first loss loss a conference loss as well uh they're 14 and one two and one in conference play and also Mimi Collins and Saniya Rivers both had poor shooting games Collins 4-12 from the field, only nine points. Rivers uh, 5 of 15 from the field, one of five from three for with 12 points. Did have six rebounds and three assists and the two blocks. So that's not bad. But you also lost a turnover battle and you nearly won this game from a poor shooting game, lost the turnover battle, and you only lost by one to an in-conference top. 15 now top 10 I believe now top 10 ranked opponent so I don't know it's annoying don't get me wrong I'm annoyed by it I didn't want to lose obviously but like I don't know there was worse ways to lose there was worse games to lose like this one you're kind of looking at it and if you're really freaking out about it calm down (laughs) didn't have River Baldwin that is a very good Virginia Tech team and they played one of their best games all year where Wolfpack had somewhat of a down game. I'm not too upset by it, if I'm being honest. What I'm more upset about, if anything, is how NC State dropped from three to six in the rankings. That's fine. Whatever. I expected a bit of a drop. But how do you go behind Colorado? You beat them by near 20 just a month ago. And they're fifth or sixth? How does that make sense? That I don't understand. That I don't understand. They didn't even move. They didn't go up or down Colorado. We just dropped. They've been fifth. We've been third. And they just stayed the same. Iowa moved up into that three spot. And then Baylor actually jumped Colorado. So I guess Colorado might be a little miffed too because they were ahead of Baylor. Even though Baylor is undefeated. I'm pretty sure Baylor, UCLA, and South Carolina are the only teams left unbeaten. So it's pretty impressive. I don't really imagine South Carolina is going to lose. I mean, just just a machine, just a machine over there. It's absurd. But yeah, dropping the six is actually much more annoying. Virginia Tech even only moved up two spots. You beat the third team in the country and you only moved up to 11. I guess they do have the two losses, which kind of hurts them. But I don't know. You beat a top three team at at least want to be in the top 10 at least be in the top 10 but again we should still be over Colorado it's whatever it is what it is so with that (laughs) like I said the men's team plays again this Wednesday the women's team plays Virginia so going from Virginia Tech to Virginia that game is Thursday at seven o'clock the next ranked matchup top 25 matchup for the women's Wolfpack isn't until February 1st in a matchup with North Carolina so we're going to take a short break for a moment. When we come back, I'm going to do one final college football preview and why 
I think I'm pretty sure I, I haven't seen any confirmed reports about this, but everyone's saying that we should get a release date for the new NCAA football game tonight. If so, if so, there will be a dynasty for NC State whenever that comes out. But we'll get to that right after this break. Stick with us on Believe in the Wolfpack. Welcome back in. Believe in the Wolfpack. Going to get into a little smaller preview of the College Football National Championship tonight. Real quick, like I said right before we left, uh, if we do get an announcement and and a date for NCAA football, there will 100% be a Wolfpack Dynasty put out on YouTube by Believe in the Wolfpack. If you're not following us on the, on the YouTube, go follow the YouTube. Go subscribe to the YouTube. Um, leave a like. Uh, there will 100% be a Dynasty video put out the same day. The same day. Um, hardest difficulty, putting it on Heisman, recruiting, winning the championship the first year. We're doing everything. <laughs> reclassifying guys suspending them i do hope there was a thread going around last week on twitter or x whatever it's twitter uh about what you want in the uh in the new game and a bunch of it was about suspending players for <laughs> like cheating on tests <laughs> Just, <laughs> doing you know nil deals you didn't agree with suspending them for a quarter suspending them for a half it's great i can't wait i really hope ea doesn't mess it up just like they did the last few maddens um if anything just make it exactly like the last what was it ncaa 14 with uh, denard robinson on the cover just make it like that honestly keep the same gameplay keep the same graphics whatever i don't care I'm not buying the NCAA 14, though. I don't have it. I wish I did. I actually checked to see how much uh, it was going for nowadays, thinking maybe the price dropped with the new one coming out soon. No, still. It's like 100 some bucks, 200 some bucks. I'm not doing that. Sorry. I can wait. I can be patient. Not really, but I'm going to try to be. Um, 100% Dynasty, going to create a player, Heisman, all that stuff. 100%. 1,000%. Can't wait. Um, but more about this championship game tonight. Michigan and Washington. I was looking over uh, some predictions from All right, ESPN is also calling them experts. And the experts are favoring Washington. 32 experts picked Washington to win. Only 16 picked Michigan. And one man by the name of Tom Hart works at the SEC Network. Picked Washington to win 63 to 14. He picked them to win 63 to 14. That is la- that's last year's score. That's almost worse than last year's score. What was it, 67 to 7 or something? If, if that happens, if Washington puts up 63 points on Michigan, Jim Harbaugh accepts an NFL coaching job the next day, if not the same night. He will resign. He will leave Michigan. He may not be allowed back in the state if they lose 63-14. to 14. I imagine the 14 for Michigan is two Blake Corum rushing touchdowns. I've already kind of penciled in Blake Corum, big game, at least two touchdowns tonight. Um, but 
63 to 14 is crazy. I picked Washington to win too. I forget even what I had the final score as, but I'm just confident in Michael Penix being by far the best quarterback this Michigan defense has faced this year. I got 34 to 30 Washington wins. I got confidence in Penix and that entire Washington offense that this is by far the best offense Michigan has seen all year and maybe one of the best offenses in college football ever. It's no it's it's no 2019 LSU, which I think is the best team of all time. I still love watching those highlights. Um but 63 to 14 is crazy. That is crazy. There's you know much more reasonable scores on here. 37 31, 31 to 24, 31 30. Even for Michigan, 38 20. Now, I do think, though, Washington has to score at. Yeah, I think they have to score at least 30 points, 34 points to win the game. If they score anything under 30, I don't think there's any chance they win. But back to my point, real quick, about uh, Harbaugh. <laughs> Today, I'm recording again on Monday. It's what's known as Black Monday in uh, the NFL world where coaches get fired, GMs get fired, new teams start their coaching search. There's already at least, I think, six teams that are getting ready to look for a new head coach. Ron Rivera got fired just today. Uh, Arthur Smith got fired yesterday, last night. Couldn't even let him get to Monday. Um but the commanders have already been said they want to interview Harbaugh and are targeting Jim Harbaugh. The Raiders have pretty much said it's either Antonio Pierce or Jim Harbaugh, which they would be crazy to not keep Antonio Pierce. You already messed it up last time when you had uh, Rich Basaccia? Basaccia, I think. Yeah, you already had him as your interim head coach and you let him go. Then you hire McDaniels. Now you're paying two guys. And you're going to have to hire another head coach. You might as well pay or, or just keep Antonio Pierce. Even just from a financial standpoint, keep Antonio Pierce. You probably won't have to pay him as much. You definitely won't have to pay him as much as you did Gruden, McDaniels, or if you hire Harbaugh. That's just smart for Mark Davis. And the players love him. That team flipped as soon as Antonio Pierce was head coach. Now, I don't think Aiden O'Connell is their guy. I don't think he's the answer, so you need a new quarterback. But if Antonio Pierce was the head coach all year long, they would have had a much better shot at making the playoffs than the, the start of the year when they had Josh McDaniels doing God knows what. Uh, I think the Chargers were linked to him, if I didn't already say them. Maybe the Titans? Who knows what they're going to do with Vrabel? But regardless of if... Michigan wins or not, I think Harbaugh is gone after this game. I think he's going back to the NFL. I think it's finally time. I think multiple teams and him hiring a new agent, you know, it just it, it feels like it's time. It feels like there's the most noise there ever has been with Harbaugh going back to the NFL since, you know, the noise really started. It started out as, you know, whispers and, you know, some little gossip. Now it's like he might as well walk into – where is it? NRG Stadium in Houston. He might as well walk into NRG Stadium with a shirt and a hat that says, last game, go Michigan, last game, back to the NFL, trying to compete with my brother who got the one seed in the AFC. Um, but that's why I also think I mentioned it earlier that this game may <laughs> just, if he loses this game and then immediately jumps to the NFL, it's going to look real ugly on Harbaugh. 
And looking at his tenure right now as Michigan head coach, if he loses and then jumps, his tenure is going to be looked at so much differently if he does that, just jumps to the NFL, than it, what it is right now. Right now it's looking like, okay, you know, he kind of got Michigan back to a real powerhouse, a real near dynasty, not really, but mostly powerhouse in college football, um, to could never win the big game, <laughs> left after he failed. Now, if he wins and then leaves, it's still going to be, ah, he left for the NFL, but it's going to be, all right, cool, he won us a championship, and then he left. He's good in my book. He came back, won, left, accomplished what he set out to do. He can he can go. He's fine. But if he loses, it is going to be a complete 180. And honestly, with how much I've heard about Michigan this year, I would, if anything, prefer it to end ugly. Like I said, I'm so tired of hearing about Michigan this year. The cheating stuff, uh, it's just so annoying. Even now with Harbaugh, I'm hearing his name all the time about coaching and all the quotes and everything, Connor Stallions. I'm just annoyed. I'm very annoyed hearing about Michigan. If they can go back to being a slightly above average Big Ten team, I'm fine with that. And plus the Washington team is much more fun. <laughs> Michael Penix is awesome. Adunze, awesome. Dylan Johnson, awesome. Just a cool – it's just a fun team. It's a, it's a, it, they're, they're a good watch. That Pac-12 championship against Oregon, that was great. I think they destroyed, not even destroyed, but that game against USC when it was like 100 to 98. It wasn't that, but it was near. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. That was really fun to watch. So just out of pure fun <laughs> and that the offense is incredible um, going with and supporting Washington tonight. But once more, just to wrap it up, next games for the men's team. It is this Wednesday against North Carolina at 8 o'clock. And then the women's team takes on Virginia the following day, Thursday the 11th at 7. We'll be back with an episode uh, Thursday, I believe. Yeah, this is going to be Tuesday, so we'll be back Thursday, back to our regular programming. Uh, no more holidays until, you know, Thanksgiving, really. <laughs> that's No more holidays. It's really going to mess with the schedule uh, until next fall. So thank you for joining me again on this 11th episode of Believe in the Wolfpack. And we'll see you next time.